So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Pop Culture Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here. Thanks for being here. Hey, last night I was driving home from Melbourne and I, I just finished a book that I've been absolutely loving. It's called The Fourth Turning and I wanted to tell you guys about it because it got recommended to me by default through a YouTube video and it's one of the best recommendations that, uh, I mean, I accidentally ever got. And the reason for that, you know those books that you, you get recommended or you start reading and you're like entertained, mind-blown, excited, uh, optimistic? <laughs> I, I felt all of these, uh, I felt all of these things reading this book. Now, the reason I was so interested in it is because, I don't know, I'm sure this is not unique to me. I've had too many conversations with too many people um, to believe that it could just be a me thing. But it feels as though we're living in a bit of a crazy time right now. It doesn't matter where you look, like politics or um, universities or sport. Like there's there's something going on. It feels as though there's something in the air. And I'd heard people say for ages, oh my gosh, like it just makes me really scared for our kids' generation. And I kind of had bought into that and I was getting a little bit negative and down in the dumps. Anyway, Van Neistat released a YouTube video called We Are In A Fourth Turning. Here's what that is. And I was like, okay, let's check this out. I'd been a fan of Van Neistat for a little while, ever since he released his YouTube channel. I had respect for him and his ideas and his philosophies. And I thought, all right, I'm going to give it a lot of attention. And naturally, he's such an entertaining storyteller and um, uh, what do you call it? Like a filmmaker that it's hard to look away when you combine those two so well. So essentially, my introduction to this whole theme was, okay, so he explains that history operates in an 80-year period. They call that a saculum. All right, and this just repeats over and over and over again. So you can go back, and in the book, William Strauss gives the examples back to the 15th century of where this occurs time and time again, both in America and other parts of the world. So within that saculum or that 80-year period, there's four 20-year periods, and each of those 20-year periods represents um, a moment in time as a culture. So for the sake of this point right now, and the book was written in 1997, right now we're, called, uh, we're in what's called the fourth turning. And the fourth turning, or that final 20 years of that 80-year period, was last seen at the end of World War II. So in this time, there's crisis. Like the, the, things happen where society looks at and they're like, holy crap, like what, what's going on here? And in 1997, he said that he expects the fourth turning, to begin in around the year 2005 to 2008. And he says, you'll know when you hit it because something huge will happen. There'll be a banking collapse. Um, He goes, there's also within that uh, fourth turning going to be super high inflation. There's going to be a little corruption in politics. He says, generally, this is where governments start to make a move towards uh, being a little bit more... uh, dictatorial, if that's a word, a bit more of a dictatorship, a little less freedom to the people, speech starts getting monitored. He said, in this time, it wouldn't be a surprise. I think he literally said these words, in this time, it wouldn't be a surprise to see an organization like the CDC declare a global pandemic. Essentially, he's saying there's there's just chaos in the air. And the reason for this, and the reason that society needs it, just like we need seasons, is because each season represents something else. And in a fourth turning it represents a time of chaos where a culture is forced to come together and go, okay, like what do we actually believe? What do we stand for? What are we going to tolerate? But the fourth season, just like, sorry, the fourth turning, just like any of the other turnings eventually has to come to an end, just like the natural seasons. 
And at the end of this, which he believes is like 2028 to maybe 2030, he said there'll be a definitive event where we've overcome the chaos. Uh, we've overcome, he said it'd just be so obvious what it is that we've overcome. The example that I last gave for the last fourth turning, World War II's done, they win. Uh, it's it's over. I mean, there's optimism in the air. And the good news is, providing we get through this 20-year period, um, and that wars don't get the better of us and governments just don't take total control and things like that. The benefit of coming through that is on the other side of it. It's like a spring. It's an awakening. It's a time of excitement and great optimism and great hope. And we're, we've like galvanized as a society because we've been through all this stuff. And now, uh, because we've been through all this stuff, uh, hey, we know what we stand for. We're hopeful. And then gradually throughout the seasons, we, we progressively go through that cycle again. And if you want to be uplifted, if you want a good book recommendation, or you just need a little bit of hope, I highly recommend this because it says, hey, yeah, look, we're going through it a little bit. And I mean, the last couple of years, I'm only 36, but the last couple of years have been the wildest that I can remember in 36 years. And what got me, and you hear a prophecy like this, or you hear someone speak about what we're going to expect in the next 20 years, which he did when he wrote this in 1997. And you just assume he's a, pro, a prophet, he's magic, he just knows something secret that we don't. And perhaps that's true in a sense. But essentially, all he's done is studied history and the patterns and routines and said, hey, we've been through it before, we're about to go through it again. But don't worry, because on the other side of that, there's there's actually time of hope and excitement. So Man, I hung up that, I ended that book, um, it was an audio book, which is why I said hung up. <laughs> I, I, I ended that audio book and I'm like, okay, I think, I think we're going to be okay. Like, sure, we've got a few years left of crazy, we've got a few years left of wild, where there's just these wild conversations taking place, and it's almost as like the, the fabric of reality is just sort of falling away. Do you feel that? That's what it feels like to me, like no one's interested in truth anymore. But I also feel like there's a little bit of a pushback at the moment. There's a little bit of a pushback. Sorry, the other thing he mentioned is at the end of a fourth turning, you'll see like world tensions, um, perhaps a little bit of conflict. Uh, I, I want to say that he even gave the example of uh, a country like Russia starting to attack its borders. Double check me on that, uh, but I'm pretty sure. I don't think I'm making that up. I mean, it's a really interesting, really accurate book that, that just leaves you feeling optimistic. So check that out. I'm also going to link um, uh, uh, below in, in this description uh, that video that I was telling you about because he does a better job explaining it than what I just did. But um, if you need that little bit of hope, go and check that out. But you can't sort of escape it at the moment, can you? It's like everywhere you look, there's a little bit of crazy. I was at a comedy room last night and I was just standing there getting ready to get on stage. And in the room where the comedy was taking place, in the background there was a TV and uh, on the TV was the AFL, which has become one of the most woke organizations that you can ever imagine. And it's Pride Month this month. So naturally, the AFL has to step up to the plate and show the fact that they care so much uh, about this Pride round. And as a result, so many players are out there, again, in their rainbow shirts, their rainbow socks, which it's fine. Obviously, I don't know anyone who's a homophobe anymore. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever met one, someone who genuinely uh, or genuinely doesn't like being someone who's around a person who's same-sex attracted. And you know why? you know why that is? It's because, like, a person like that, surely they're just a psycho. <laughs> like, I, I can't imagine anyone wanting to be around a person like that. And and that's pretty accurate for society as a whole at the moment, right? Like, I, I bet the case could be argued that you probably don't know anyone who's a homophobe either. Like, you got this LGBTQ stuff and you go, okay, well, I think they're pretty much... They're, they're pretty much accepted into society now. Like, I'm sure there's places around the world. In fact, I know for a fact there's places around the world where that's not the case. But here in the West, there's nothing that, that a straight person's able to do 
that a, a same-sex attracted person or, or trans person can't do. Do you know what I mean? You're like you've got all the rights that we do, and yet uh, sporting codes like the AFL, the NRL, the uh, NHL. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter where you look. You, you just get inundated with it, and I feel like that's the problem that people have, isn't it? That's the only issue I have with it. It's like, all right, look, I'm a Christian, but the one thing that I'm not going to do is if you haven't asked for it, I'm not just going to smash you over the head consistently with this message that I believe to be true. And the reason I'm not going to do that is because you've got to learn to read a crowd. And if you want someone to actually see the attractive side to the message that you're sharing, hey, stop <laughs> stop flaunting it. Like, stop just belting people with it. Because the truth is, I look at a Christian like that and I go, dude, like, read the room, man. Read the room. These people aren't interested in what it is that you're saying and still you're going on and on and on. And from my perspective, I go, you know what? I feel like what's happening here, it's not going to do any benefit to you. In fact, it's it's going to really go counter to the message that you're trying to put across. There's surely a more subtle way to do it. And I feel like at the moment, the AFL and so many of these big sporting codes, and especially the government here in not only Victoria, but also um, or in Australia, I should say, but also in places like Canada, America, um, they can't help themselves. I mean, have you seen some of the Democrats in America at the moment just coming out and making announcements around Pride Month? It's literally like a South Park episode. There's people dressed up as, I mean, from my perspective, it, it looks like some of them look like demon outfits. I mean, I do comedy with, with uh, drag queens a lot of the time. Like there's drag queens there and they look lovely. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's it's highly sexualized, but it's a room full of adults, and they understand that the context is there to entertain people there at a burlesque room or a vaudeville room, and they're like, okay, we can expect this here. But when you see one of those people wearing the same outfit next to a politician, um, dressed up in which is like a far more sexualized outfit and a far scarier face mask, you go, what's happened here? <laughs> what are we What are we watching? I thought these guys are the ones that are supposed to be looking out for me. And this guy just seems more concerned that the bloke next to him is allowed to read books to his kids. I heard someone say the other day, like, if you're that obsessed with reading books, like, if these drag time story hours are that important and they care that much about promoting this idea of going out and just looking after the vulnerable, why don't they take their books to the, the old people's home? Do you know what I mean? Like, no one would have an issue with that because uh, everyone's of age. People have come to terms with their sexuality. They've had some time to think. They've grasped some kind of element of the fabric of reality. And they can sit there and they can go, okay, look, hey, mate, this isn't my thing. Like, go read to Deborah or Beth because what you're doing to me, it's it's really uncomfortable, <laughs> you know? But instead, there's this obsession with taking that into schools and to community libraries and things like that, which I've found very strange. But the AFL has been a big one. The AFL's I'm amazed at how many people have just gone along with it. And I understand the challenge is, like I'm sure, I'm sure that the, the AFL is supported by the Victorian government. Now, the Victorian government is all about this. I think our premier, now that's Australia's version of a governor if you're in the US, our premier recently had drag time story hour in parliament, which is, a, which is an interesting decision based on the fact that, um, I mean, uh, Victorians and Australians in general uh, are facing some pretty sharp interest rises, like we're in a lot of debt after COVID. There's been some interesting decisions made over the last couple of years, and you'd go, well, what would make me feel better is maybe a little bit of an explanation or like an honest conversation around the way you dealt with that. But instead, there's just this obsession with the drag time story. <laughs> Let us do it. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting time, isn't it? It's going to be interesting as well to see whether any AFL players actually put their foot down and go, you know what, I'm not actually going to, I'm not actually going to wear this. I'm not going to stand for it. And I mean, there's a lot of Muslim players in the AFL now, 
And traditionally, like a traditional Muslim isn't necessarily a big fan of same-sex marriage. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. What I'm saying is that's just what they believe. So it's going to be really interesting to see whether any Muslim players take a stand. And if they do, how's that going to be accepted? Because traditionally, or the last couple of years, we haven't really been able to challenge uh, anyone who's from another culture, have we? Because it's apparently, uh, like, even asking questions these days has become a racist thing. But, I mean, watch this space. It's, uh, it's going to be really interesting. What do you guys make of the AFL at the moment? They've gone very woke. They've gone very woke. Like, everything, every opportunity they have to virtue signal they'll take and my only issue with this is i think when we're honest with ourselves you look at the afl and you go okay hey let, let's be real you're saying how much you care about gay players in the afl you're saying how much you want them to be comfortable and you want them to be able to come out and just be proud of what it is that they're doing but we've never had an openly gay afl player first of all and i, I assume that's for a variety of reasons like you look at the aflw and there's a lot of gay players there in the women's league and part of that i'm sure is because um people who are same-sex attracted in, in the world of women are also probably more likely to play physical contact sports like football, whereas the opposite is true in the AFL. But also, like, you have a, a group of people, like, you have 500 people, at, say, on the AFL list. Surely, like, at least one of them's gay. But what is the AFL doing? They say they care, but not one player has come out. So it seems strange. But more than that, I don't understand what wearing a rainbow shirt does to actually support a person. Like, how much, if that was really working, like, show us the numbers. Show us the numbers to prove that you putting rainbow flags and a rainbow jumper and rainbow socks on and saying, hey, it's Pride Month, everyone get around it. Show us the conversion rates and how this is how this is actually helping. Because at the moment, it just makes it hard to watch. <laughs> like, I want to watch Carlton play the Bombers this week. But, I mean, I just, I just, I, like, I go to football as an escape sometimes from from all of this stuff. And then you turn on your TV and you see the pride socks. You go, no, 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 not here. <laughs> not here. And people hear that and you go, oh, Tice, you're a homophobe. Nope. Nope. I just don't want that fundamental religion. Just like you probably hate a fundamental religious teacher coming up to you and you're going, hey, believe in Jesus so you don't go to hell. You go, mate, piss off. That's kind of how I feel a little bit about the whole pride conversation these days. Anyway, I mean, I'm fired up because I... Uh, I read too many articles before I press record on this podcast and I came in here swinging. I realise the intensity I'm coming at you with, so <laughs> forgive me for that. I've also been watching Andrew Tate. I watched that interview with Andrew Tate uh, on the BBC just a couple of days ago. I don't know much about the guy. I hadn't really followed him. My sister messaged me about a year ago going, hey, how, do you like Andrew, Andrew Tate? I'm obsessed with him. And I was like, wait, hang on a sec. You're obsessed with this guy. Because I would just see a couple of clips and what he was saying, I was like, hey, how is my sister obsessed with this guy? What he's saying doesn't really sound like it's that nice about women. And then you actually watch the whole clip and you go, oh, okay, he's just being funny. Like he's an outspoken character and he's just happy to say controversial things to get views. And and in saying all of that, like I feel as though a bloke like Andrew Tate, I, it concerns me actually how much my sister's into him. My sister's just become a Christian. Andrew Tate's a passionate Muslim. I, I think she's going to win him. I think he's going to win her over. I reckon if it, if it came down to her being able to date him, she'd convert. I had an interesting chat with a chick at my church a, a while ago named Lucy. Lucy's an absolute gun. Like when you meet her, she's she's relatively quiet. She's got three kids, married to a legend of a guy. Like she's lovely, beautiful girl, beautiful girl. And we're standing in the foyer at church, and I don't know how the conversation came up, but from what I had heard about Andrew Tate from mainstream media, this was a guy that women just hated. So if anyone was going to hate him, in my mind, it was this chick, Lucy. But the conversation around him came up, and she's like, man, I'm obsessed with Andrew Tate. I go, what are you, what are you talking about? 
She goes, dude, like, where are men like that these days? Where are men who are just so, they'll just stand up for what they believe and they'll say it confidently and they'll say it out loud. Um, she goes, yeah, he just gives me an appreciation for men because a lot of the time a woman, to develop a relationship with a man, they want the emotional connection. Sure, the guy has to be attractive, but mostly we want a connection. We want physical attraction, but we want that emotional connection. She goes, and what he helped me understand about my husband is is that guys, they don't want all that. Sometimes they just want to fuck a bitch. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I don't think you're allowed to say that at church. I think that's against the rules. And, But I mean, it's true, isn't it? And it's something that frustrates people about guys. And it's definitely not justification to go out and just do that, especially if you're in a committed relationship. It's not what she's saying. But she is saying the way guys are wired is like I reckon you look at the statistics around porn and you go okay well it's a I'm not saying that females don't do it but on the whole it's a it's a guy thing it's a guy like most of most of the porn viewers if it was a competition of guys now I know there's girls out there who go no no I watch it too sure I know but I reckon you speak to nearly nearly every guy it's not something we uh, often speak about in public and I kicked the habit back in 2008 because I just started dating my little lady and I thought well this seems like a this seems like a weird habit to take into a relationship with a girl that I really love but until that point mate I was all over it I loved it too and there's something in the in the male mind where we're just attracted to that. I mean, you don't have to be a genius. That's why that's why some women get so angry at guys because it's just so vulgar, and it is. Like you you have a conversation with a guy from time to time, you go, mm, you probably you probably shouldn't have said that. But people get excited. People get excited when they were with their mates talking about this kind of stuff. But there's a clear difference. Anyway, I say all that to say. Andrew Tate, his interview with the BBC. From what I've realised, it's just a classic Andrew Tate conversation. Like this, this lady from the BBC comes in with these clips and these thoughts and these ideas about who he is and what he's done. And it doesn't make it worse that at the moment he's under house arrest because he's been accused, only accused, like we used to say they're innocent until proven guilty, he's only accused of, of human trafficking and, and rape. Now, this guy is a very controversial figure that a lot of people would love to see crumble. And so the investigations from what we heard have gone above and beyond trying to bring him down. Thousands of phone calls have been made. And he's saying in the interview, yeah, but you're not going to find anything on me. And it didn't matter. This chick just kept trying, the, the chick doing the interview kept coming back to him going, no, but like you've got so many claims. Doesn't that make you feel bad? Aren't you upset about that? And he's like, no, no, no. If any of it was true, I would be sad about it. But none, none of these claims that you're making are true. And then this BBC reporter, I don't know her name. She kept going, no, but we have Sophie. Sophie. He goes, all right, let's just talk about Sophie for a minute. Have you got a photo of her? Have you got any information on her? How old is she? Where's she from? Has she come out in public? And the lady's like, well, I don't really want to answer these questions. And he goes, no, because the BBC, you guys have just made her up. Like you've just made up this story about this chick called Sophie to try and make me look as though I'm more of a lowlife than you guys believe I am. But, but Sophie doesn't exist. And so I thought if I was brand new to Andrew Tate, which I sort of am, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself a, a follower of his. Do you know what I mean? I watch a couple of clips because they make me laugh sometimes. Um, but I watch that and I go, no, I'm on this guy's side. Like I feel like the disingenuous person here is the BBC reporter. And there's a reason that people like Andrew Tate have the views that um, – that they get surely because you watch the BBC and their attempt to you know paint someone with a particular kind of a brush and then I guess like Joe Rogan you go to an Andrew Tate interview you put that on and you go ah oh so he he doesn't do any of the things that we're told that he does he's I mean he's a pretty controversial he's a pretty outspoken guy but he 
I like what he stands for. I reckon I reckon if someone broke into my house and like he was the only option to have around my wife, I'd be pretty happy with him to be there to protect her. In fact, he'd be a better option to protect her than what I would. He was I don't know if he was world champion, but he was he was fighting at a really high level as a kickboxer for for quite a while. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, just type Andrew Tate uh, BBC into YouTube. The comments are fantastic as well because you realise, oh, okay, like we've got numbers on our side. And when I say we, I mean people who just don't buy into every single thing that mainstream media says, which is becoming more and more. It's funny when it comes to mainstream media and um, other platforms like YouTube because you're allowed to say some things, aren't you? There was a while there where you're allowed to say uh, you, you weren't allowed to talk about any of the things to do with the COVID vaccine. You, you had to say, like, if you were going to post something on YouTube about the COVID vaccine, you literally had to talk about the positives of it. You weren't allowed to ask questions. You weren't allowed to critique it. You weren't allowed to criticize it. You weren't allowed to, yeah, essentially, you weren't allowed to really say anything that might have made the big pharmaceutical companies look look a little questionable. Like, things have changed now because all of a sudden here in Australia, the, the Australian government have removed AstraZeneca because um, the TGA, though they promised us it was safe and effective, had rare side effects, which were blood clots. Um, I mean, we were, we were told a particular story, and the mainstream media pumped it. Remember, AFL again, big sponsor. They had NAB. They changed that to JAB. So one of the major sponsors at the AFL during the early times of COVID was JAB. They were telling everyone to get the JAB. And no accountability, absolutely no accountability for what it was they were telling people to do. Uh, people like me who thought, no, get stuffed. I'm not taking this. I, I, I lost my job as a teacher, which was fine. Like I was happy to do it. But for me, um, I had the opportunity to do that. Like my my main source of wealth, if I'm talking about wealth, my main, like the main way that I measure it is, is the amount of freedom that I have in my day. And I'm not the kind of guy, uh, I'm not the kind of guy that would take a day. I'm not the kind of guy that would take a day and go, all right, well, as long as I make more money and sacrifice all my free time, I'm happy. Like for me, that's just a bad trade-off. So I said, all right, I'll take a massive pay cut, had a little bit of savings put aside, and and I'll just keep my free time. But a lot of people weren't in the opportunity to do that. So they had to go and get it. And thank God, like so many people that I know were, were completely fine. But I had a mate who got pericarditis. I, I know two mates who got pericarditis. Um, and then, but you, you weren't allowed to talk about that for ages either. I heard about people who were, I'm not going to go down the COVID ver- route again it's like an old conversation that i'm old i'm 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 kind of not over talking about it but i think you're over talking about it <laughs> and i get annoyed about that because for so long so many people were saying to me like uh, you go back to a couple of my instagram posts and there's there's literally still comments here i can't believe people haven't deleted it saying tice when are you going to do the right thing and get vaccinated so that we can all get out of lockdown and I was too scared to say, well, I'm never going to get it at that time because it's a brand new thing that we're all trialing. <laughs> and I just want to wait and see what the results are. Um, and then all of a sudden it's now, okay, well, it didn't stop transmission. It didn't really stop the effect. Like it all, we, So we just ignore it. Very wild, very wild. But it's nice, I guess, that you can even ask questions now. In saying that, though, I, I heard the other day Candace Owens was going on a, a little rant about Jamie Foxx because apparently Jamie Foxx had had some health issues that... Um, I mean, depending on who you listen to is going to dictate exactly what was going on. So let me read you a mainstream uh, uh, media article here. What have we got? That's Forbes. All right, here we go. So this is the NBC News. So make what you want out of that. So on May the 30th, gossip columnist and podcaster AJ Benzer appeared on Dr. Drew Pinsky's podcast, Ask Dr. Drew. The episode was titled as Jamie Foxx's Health Scare. It's, is COVID mRNA, mRNA booster to blame? 
AJ shares exclusive. At 11.26 mark in the episode, Benza presented the idea that Fox had become paralyzed and Brian Blunt purportedly from a blood clot and was caused by a COVID-19 vaccine. Purportedly. So we don't know 100% just yet. According to Benza, Fox was pressured to get the vaccine. Um, and Pinsky then responded to Benza saying, it's been widely known that he had a stroke, right? I mean, uh, they've said stroke a hundred times. So it sounds like there was a, a, a little bit of freedom taking place. This is the frustration as well. Uh, if you're if you're in the mainstream world, you're desperate to make anything look like it's not associated with the vaccine. And if you're on the, I guess you would say like a conservative route, you want everything to be associated with the vaccine. So it's really hard to know who to trust in a situation like this. I guess time will tell, uh, we'll find out. But hopefully the great man, Jamie Foxx, is... Uh, is on his way to recovery, regardless of what's going on there. But I mean, if it is, and if it is, we don't know. But if it if it was the vaccine, surely, surely we're allowed to talk about that. Surely we can talk about that. And I think it's important that we find out the truth with stuff like that, isn't it? Like if we're, it's still being promoted. The idea is like, hey, uh, winter's coming around here in Australia. Oh, we're here. We're in winter. They're saying go get your flu jab and go get your COVID booster shot. But then. Even people who are very pro the booster shot for a long time are now going, nah, I'm not going to get any more. And you go, hang on a second. <laughs> you were criticizing me because I decided not to get that just a couple of years ago. Ah, blah. Anyway. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> I'm coming at you with pace today. I'm coming at you with pace. The last thing I want to say is, I mean, there seems to be a, a slight response to to some of this wildness, some of this work stuff. Like I, I said that the AFL here in Australia has been has been pretty intense to watch, but um, it's been interesting to see companies like Target and Bud Light. We spoke about Bud Light a while ago. Bud Light, that was a Freudian slip, was perhaps appropriate. Um, Bud Light, their their sales dropped like thirty percent after their Dylan Mulvaney ad came out where the new woke marketing organizer came out and said, oh, we want to reach out to a new audience, not this fratty, bratty kind of brand that we've had for ages. And the fratty, bratty kind of brand who it turns out were their only drinkers were like, all right, we're not going to drink it anymore. And they just abandoned ship and it almost became like this cultural movement, this trend. It was almost like GameStop a couple of years ago where people go, all right, we're not going to drink it. And now they're, they're Product has absolutely dropped all that part of, I think it's Anheuser-Busch, um, uh, the Bud Light element of their business just dropped radically. And then businesses just kept coming out and doing it. Did you see Target recently, in the States especially, to celebrate Pride Month that came out with, um, I can't remember the brand's name, but there was a essentially a LGBTQ brand that came out and it, it had like f- images of Satan on it and said Satan loves pronouns and had queer, queer, queer written on shirts. And pretty much you go into Target, it was just a pride parade. And people were like, hang on a second. Like, do we, there was a bathing suit that allowed you to tuck your willy across so no one could see it if you were, if you were trans. And people go, what are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, Target, I'm pretty sure that's where we used to go just to get our kids stuff. And if our kid are going to be sort of pressured to be wearing this stuff, and it is, it's almost like propaganda. Um, we're just going to abandon it. And I, I read the other day that at the moment, Target's uh, market cap has dropped by like $10 billion. And then they came out and said, okay, we're going to pull some of the pride products. But it's not because of the money. It's because of the fact that there's been threats and danger to our stores. Now, I've got no doubt in a store like that, there's going to be some people making some big claims and some big threats. But at the same time, I'm going to argue, and I'll put a bit of money on the fact that their main concern is the fact that the value of their company has dropped by $10 billion. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with companies 
as they start to, um, you know, put this woke agenda or push this LGBT, whatever it is at the moment, uh, agenda onto everyone. And people start going, uh, that's enough now. I'm not going to buy your product anymore. I've started doing that with Nike. I've started doing that. I don't think I can watch the AFL. It's just, I feel like it's just the blatant hypocrisy of it all. Like that's what does my head in. Because we know, we know. It's like when you meet a person and when they're out in public for an hour, they put on a really nice game face. I'm good at that after an argument as well, which is not a good thing. But then you go home, they're an absolute prick. You go, oh, I know you're not a nice person. You just put on a really good show. And I think we know that about companies like Nike because like, they've, they've got pretty much Chinese slaves working for them at just ridiculous prices in terrible settings, but then they come out and go, no, no, like, hey, we care about everyone. <laughs> we, we want people to be looked after. But it's only, it's only the things that are seen in the public eye that people really care about. And that's what does my head in about it. I'm coming at you with pace. I've been firing shots. I realize the passion. I hope, I mean, I had to get that off my chest. There were a couple of things. Anyway, hey, Jamie Foxx, I hope you get better. Check out that book, The Fourth Turning. It's a wonderful thing. AFL, come on now, settle down. Like, if you're going to really claim to care about LGBTQ, at least have one player who comes out. (laughs) Otherwise, your cause looks a little bit useless. Guys, have a great weekend. Happy Friday. And, uh, hey, if you're not on YouTube, go watch it over there as well. Um, I'll see you all next week.